ops, and a little bit of paranoia. Welcome to the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. All right, folks, we are back. If you're tuning in for the second half of the show and you didn't hear the first part, you missed our uh, 2021 year in nerd life review. You don't want to miss it because it was fun. We, of course, went on a whole bunch of rabbit trails and, you know, like you'd expect from the show. Pop, pop, <laughs> pop. Get out the fun bunny ears. Fun fact, when Zuckerberg restricts your account and you can't comment or anything, you apparently also can't even, like, like things. Like, if you hit like, it rebukes you. Wow. Yeah. He's... So I, I, I can't even like the memes that my favorite meme dealer, Chuck Marshall. You're like, posted. you're really in the corner, aren't you? You can look at corner. them, but you can't like them. I can't react. No, because I might react in a mean way. And bully <laughs> you, somebody. Might, you bully. <laughs> you big, mean bully. I am a meanie. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's get the announcements out of the way. Then we'll get on to chat. And we got some news to talk about. So let's see if we can go another hour in 10 minutes. Oy, oy, oy. Let's hope not. All right. So first of all, our usual Patreon update. Uh, I didn't get the total here, but it's something like 15 or 20 people that are patronizing. Yay. Is that is that a Yay. proper use of the word? Patronizing? Um, that, <laughs> sure, Nathaniel. That's usually a... That's, see, I was just patronizing. One, that's, two, three, four, five, six. That's usually a negative word, but I think... It may actually be the right use of the word, patronizing. You are patrons of our show. You're counting. You're 23. 23, wow. Which which is awesome, because that's a prime number. You'd think. You'd think I would keep track of how many there are instead of just reading their names off on the show. But I'm going to read their names off on the show anyway. So a big thank you to Zed Thor, because he told us to pronounce it that way. Uh, name pending 197. Jeremy. Jeremiah. Uh, Aranami. Bullfrog? Aranami. Uh, Andrew, Tatro, Bruce, Robert, Matt, David, Solemn with some numbers in there. Trooper-ish, Linuxis666, Gimpy B, Mark with a K, The Mentor, John the Nice Guy, Mark with a C, Julius, Andy, J, Charles, and 22532. So thank you to each and every one of you guys. Our uh, our Patreon income is like 120 something bucks a month, which is pretty damn awesome. I I've, nice. I've been considering, and really it's just like a thought I had earlier today because I was thinking about revamping some of the wait the hold music and stuff or the waiting music. I was thinking about um, subscribing to maybe like a music service that we can get like higher quality music. I don't know. We'll see. I use one of those for my YouTube channel, and it's it's actually pretty handy. But I can't also use it for this because it's linked to the particular uh, media, whatever, outlet, channel, whatever. So, yeah. anyway, okay. royalties and all are important, I suppose. So, anyway, I may do that. I may not. I don't know. Maybe I'll just pocket all that money, pay it, uh, buy <laughs> bubblegum. Feeling cute. Might buy some bubblegum. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, if you want to support the show in, uh, like, the more traditional way where you buy merchandise, you can still do so on Teespring, teespring.com slash stores slash Iron Sysadmin. You can get yourself the Iron Sysadmin Flamethrower! <laughs> we have a flamethrower? No, but that'd be awesome. Damn. You you were referencing I... you were referencing the merchandising scene from Spaceballs. Okay. And that was, I, that was I, the crescendo. I, I... The Spaceballs, the movie Flamethrower! I don't remember that, and I'm a terrible person for not. You don't remember oh my that. God. I remember the scene, but I don't remember the flamethrower. It was a flamethrower. <laughs> okay. We should you... get a all right, uh, folks. If we get if we get enough patrons, I don't know. Let's we'll, we'll have to find a number for that. We will we will invent an iron system and a flamethrower. <laughs> I think there's an untapped market there. Be, right. I mean, think of all the systems that, that, would, that would benefit from having an Iron System in brand flamethrower. This this will end badly. Of course, but that's why it's got unlimited potential. This will end badly. The the building that I used to work in as a sysadmin potential for good. The, the the building I used to work in as a sysadmin at Lafayette. Um, the in fact the building that the data center was in the basement of because that's where they had all the IT people as well had burned down twice. No good. Not with a data twice. center in it, but. Before the data center was there, it had burned down twice. <laughs> oh, and if you're watching the video, I just want to point out 
that that that's a baby Yoda Bluetooth speaker my wife got for me. Oh, that's that. Oh, wait, I have. I got this for Christmas too. It's it's baby Yoda related. Baby Yoda, baby baby Yoda. Wait, you're calling it baby Yoda? I thought that was one of your pet peeves. No. It's a Lego baby Yoda. I've always called him Baby Yoda. I thought you were one of the Grogu people. No, no, I'm I I'm the I'm the I am the one who laughs at the Grogu purists. Okay. Anyway, look, there's a tiny. I'm I'm, I'm definitely Team Baby Yoda. There's a tiny Baby Yoda in here. My wife got it at a Hooray. craft fair. It's probably totally unlicensed merchandise, and Disney will come and find the people That's who the made it. That's the best kind. And sue them, but it's awesome. I have a little Baby Yoda in his little crib thing, his little cradle thing. Little floating. I also thing. unfortunately have a Lego Jar Jar Binks, which someday I may melt into slag. Maybe. Feeling cute may melt Jar Jar Binks into slag. <laughs> <laughs> There's an R2D2 in here, too. Now I feel like I've totally derailed. It's all because you yeah. talked about Baby Yoda, but there's a little, little R2D2. Well, he's over my shoulder. Yeah, he's cool. So I figured I'd point that out. Yeah, so anyway. Um, yeah, and if you uh, if you run a podcast and you want to try out Riverside, uh, there's a link in there. It's an affiliate link that can help out Iron Sysadmin if you were to register for Riverside, which is what we use Break to record the show. To the riverside. Living Break in a van down by the riverside. To the riverside. I saw a funny meme the other day. <laughs> so in the off-road community, right? There's this new, uh, maybe not new, but there's 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 like. There's like the hardcore rock crawler folks. There's the people who like to drive through mud. There's the people who like to just like cruise down dirt roads. And then there's this new thing. Uh, people used to call it glamping or car camping. Well, now it's called yeah. overlanding, quote unquote overlanding, where you outfit a vehicle that you can live out of, right? So okay. <laughs> there's this meme showed up in one of the rock crawling groups or something that I'm in. And it's like, you used to be, you, people used to make fun of you and say that you're going to be a bum living in a van down by the river. Now, if you can afford $60,000 for a vehicle, you too can live in a van down by the river. <laughs> Making fun of the overlanders because they put all this money into essentially oh, like a van with a tent on top. <laughs> it's, you know, that that's RVs, right? Yeah, no, I mean, and I, I may joke about it, but it actually does look like fun. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's not about just camping without having to set up a tent. It's about exploration and having a vehicle that you can be self-sufficient out of, which is actually kind of cool, I think. That is kind of cool. That's like the Starship Enterprise. Yeah. The Millennium Falcon. Right, except it doesn't have any replicators. It can't make food for you, and it doesn't have Who a holodeck. Earns? Who earns? Man, if it had a holodeck, that'd be great. I'm going to go overlanding as soon as there's holodeck technology. Just bring your VR rig with you <laughs> to be on the holodeck in No Man's Sky. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be the ultimate... <laughs> Freaking overlanding. Not only am I bringing all the comforts of home with me, I can escape into an online virtual world because this camping crap sucks. Right. <laughs> right. Now you're tracking. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're tracking. Uh, all right. So, uh, yeah, you got you got anything to chat about today? You got some you got some PlayStation 5 stuff. I, I didn't miss anything, ah. did I? Oh, there's no new reviews. Uh, I didn't even no include it here because there's, there's no new reviews. reviews. Yeah. People, we need reviews so we know what we're doing right. So just um yeah, my my gaming my gaming time has been mostly the PlayStation 5, although we've had some good Valheim runs lately on Monday night, so that's fun too. Yeah. We had a really good one. We this need last to move week. Monday night Valheim to a night that my kids don't have gymnastics. Well, this is the first time I'm hearing this, so we'll have to bring that up to the group. Um so, you know, No Man's Sky, that's one of those games that I owned at launch on the PS4. I've owned it on Windows. Um, when you put the PS4 disc into the PS5, you get a free upgrade to the PS5 version. Um, that's cool. So, right. So I've been running a new save on that, and that's, that's a lot of fun. And then there's a couple of uh, PlayStation games specifically. One of, one of them, Deathloop, is also available on Windows. It's a... Uh, Oh God! Deathloop is one of those games where if I if I explain too much, there's way too many spoilers. But it's got this very 1960s aesthetic, if like like a 1960s like spy movie type art style. Okay, and it's a really good science fiction tale, where 
you're basically you're you're essentially an assassin trapped in a time loop with another assassin and you're trying to figure out how to get out of it and dying is part of the whole process like when you die you respawn the same morning but it's like actually part of the story and there's ways to like there's ways to find equipment and then and then you uh you can use the special substance so that the equipment you don't lose it when you when you die at the end of the day it it's it's a cool game and it's a lot of fun and it's uh made by the same the same studio that did dishonored and if you ever played dishonored one of the big hooks there was you could play it like you want you could do full on combat you could do stealth you could do a combination of like magic and stuff and and deathloop has a similar feel although my what i tend to do is i just end up slaughtering everybody on the level anyway with 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 shotguns but it's it's a lot of fun it's one way to do it. um slaughter everyone with a shotgun yeah uh ghost of Tsushima came out on the ps4 but it's remastered director's cut ps5 the best way to describe it is it's skyrim but you're a samurai and it is beautiful. You, you essentially Saturn. are you, you essentially are leading a guerrilla war against the Mongols in the late thirteenth century on your on your island in Japan. And it's just really it's a great game. And then the the newest one is a is a very hard rogue light called Returnal. And Returnal's a science fiction uh third person shooter where um again Dying is very much part of it. You'll start a run, but it's like, you know, like Binding of Isaac or other rogue type things or Hades. Certain things you do in the game, you get to unlock permanent upgrades. But like when you die, you basically go back to the beginning of the run. And it's really about pushing how far can you get hmm. and and how much can you unlock for, for your next run so that you can do better. And part of it, though, is is learning. It's very hard, but... It's very conquerable if you practice and you focus on how the different enemies do stuff. Now, for me, because I tend to sometimes be impatient and headstrong and charge into stuff, Returnal has had to kick my ass several times to teach me to approach certain things in a different manner. But I'm, I'm having a very good time with that. In the non-gaming front, um, sometimes... As a as a TAM, you know, our normal engagements are like a year or three years, but we sometimes get a short term engagement for a customer to try us out. I've got one of those now. It's a three month thing and they're they're a heavy, heavy IPA shop. They're, they're, they need some help with that. So I've been skilling up on IPA and trying to stay 10 minutes ahead of them, which I think <laughs> I'm doing a pretty good job of. IPA is a good uh, or Red Hat IDM, which is the proper I, term I, for it, right? But, I can't. Uh, I would love to get, I have, uh, I've got at least one other customer that uses it and runs into challenges with it. I'm like, ah, uh, I really don't want to deal with you friggin' IDM, but it keeps, I keep, it keeps being thrust at me. Yeah. It's not a bad tool set. I, I ran it at the college, but we, it was a very small scale thing. It was mainly, the, um, the problem I have is, is. Until recently, I never really dug in and tried to understand all the different components. And now I'm having to do that. Yeah. Like, I run an IPA server here, but I don't do any identity management on it. I use it for DNS and a couple of other things. Mm -hmm. I really should make accounts for my lab and yeah. and use that, yep. but I don't feel like it. Yep. And that's, that's really the, that is the problem that it was designed to solve. It's meant to be. Not not necessarily single sign on, but same sign on. It's meant to be a identity, you yeah. know, uh, identity provider, right? You put your accounts in there. You can manage pseudo rules. You can manage access yeah, and SSH I'll, keys and all that stuff. I'll get around to it. It's it's really it's Active Directory for Linux is the best way I've described it to people that don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm I'm not some weird pro on it either. It's just I have some experience with it from running it at the college. And uh, I don't have any customers with it right now, but um, I didn't realize you actually ran it. So now, now I can nag you about. Yeah, stuff. and again, it was small scale. We had like a dozen accounts in it. I mainly stood it up because when we built our Red Hat Enterprise virtualization infrastructure, we needed something oh, you mean to the authenticate. Stuff you melt it down. 
<laughs> yes, the stuff I melted down. Uh, we needed something to authenticate it to, and it did not have hooks for LDAP, which is what we used for, uh, for identity at the college. So I needed something to put accounts in because we didn't have Active Directory, which is what it assumed you would have. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I built an IDM box out of necessity. <laughs> there you go. And uh, it All really right. wasn't bad. It worked out pretty well. Yep. Yep. Oh, no, it, it works. I just don't know what I'm doing with it. Yeah. Like from an, like in terms of accounts, like it's got one account. And it's got admin, which is the IDM user on the web on the yep. web console. Yep. And you can even do like Active Directory trusts with it. So if you're in a mixed environment, you can have. I'm not. You can. Well, I'm saying if your customer was or something, you could have it they're, pull they're, identity from. Thankfully, AD. they're thankfully they're not. They don't. This customer doesn't give a shit about Active Active that is good, right? Because it just adds more complexity, right? I, I had set it up once as a demo for a customer that had Active Directory and was thinking about IDM, and it was kind of a nightmare to set up. <laughs> Partially because I'm I'm not a pro. Again, I'm not a IDM pro, but uh, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, that's what I got going on. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you you might remember from our last show that. I forget if I said it on the show or not, but I know I told you, Mark, that I was very annoyed by the fact that the fan in the new computer that I bought, the Alienware, was so freaking loud it sounded like a little vacuum cleaner running under my desk. And you could hear it in the background. When I was editing the show, I'm like, man, this is so annoying. And I don't know if anyone noticed it or not. When they, In fact, I did my best to edit it out using noise cancellation in uh, the editing software I use, but I really didn't want to have to deal with that. And it was really loud just sitting in the in the room here with it. Like when I was in VR, it was it was terrible. I could hear it through the headphones in the VR headset. That's how loud the damn thing was. So I picked up a uh, a water cooling um heatsink for it for the CPU from Corsair. You may remember Corsair as a vendor I do in this space. Corsair. Like they're 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 like one of the names in uh, <laughs> in cooling in computers, right? Um I picked up a Corsair, I think it's H60 is the model. And it's it's crazy. Uh, 20 years ago, obviously 20 years is a long time in the IT space. I remember people were tinkering with water cooling. And it was just like, like this really crazy and like cutting edge and very hacky space where people had like, right. like and you were Freon running that would, through their case, right? <laughs> terrified it was going to break open and, and soak your computer. Right, right. And now you can just buy... A pre-sealed, pre-assembled unit. It's got so a radiator. It came a, with the liquid in it. Yeah, it's it's got a little radiator, which um, to you me ever have to refill it. To me, it looks like a transmission cooler. But again, uh-huh. you know, because of my background in automotive, it's just a little radiator like your car would have, except it's much smaller, and it's got a fan attached to it. Again, like your car would have, but much smaller. And it's it's plumbed. There, it's a sealed unit. There's a hose. Arr, arr, yep. There's, there's a seal in arr, my computer arr, now. Arr, 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 there's, arr. there's two hoses, an inlet and an outlet. They come out to a little pump that mounts right on top of the CPU, and that replaces your heatsink, right? And now, instead of passing air through fins, it, the little pump drives whatever coolant is inside of this thing through itself over the CPU, right, to cool the CPU out to the radiator. A fan blows air through the radiator, a fan which is ridiculously quiet, I will add, because it has to run at such lower RPM, I suppose, than the factory fan did. And uh, the radiator dissipates the heat, and then the liquid goes back to the CPU, and it's just a cycle, right? Completely pre-sealed, the pre-assembled. Of life. It's da, 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 da. the the only thing I'm concerned about is longevity, right? Like, am I going to be replacing this thing in a year, or is it going to last me 10, 15 years? I don't know. Right. Uh, Some people report online that their H60 failed in a year or two, but there was a redesign on the H60. um, And I think all those reports were from the old design. So I'm crossing my fingers. We'll see. It is ridiculously quiet now. Like I I can hear it when I don't have the headphones on. I can hear it, but it's not nearly as loud as it was. It was really loud before. No, it was very loud before it. So, so, you never have to like replace liquid in it. No, you don't. It's a sealed unit. If you oh, if oh. you have to replace liquid in it, it means there's a leak. Yeah, which is bad. Which is bad. Which is bad. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen. 
But That's uh, cool. yeah, it's been in there. I think three, maybe two weeks now. I put it in the week after our last show. It was the week the week I was off actually between Christmas and New Year's. I put it in. Um, so yeah, it's it's great. It's it's quiet. It's um, it's good. Even in VR, when I have VR fired up, it doesn't get any louder at all. Good. It's crazy. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, let's see for Christmas, and I think I told you this before Christmas. Uh, we got the kids Animal Crossings, which is the game you have been talking Animal about Crossing, for like two yeah, years. Animal Crossing New Horizons. Yeah. Um, the kids have played it a little bit. Surprisingly, I've probably played it more than them. <laughs> it sucks you in, right? Mainly because I was curious, right? And it is a surprisingly relaxing game to just sit down and burn some time in. Like I, I can't, that, I can't play it for six hours straight, but you know, an hour or two. I, that's yeah, and that's how you're supposed to play it. That game saved my sanity during the pandemic yeah. because that came out right at the beginning of the pandemic. Right, right, and it's, it's just, it's so low stakes. I don't feel like it's impossible to screw up. It's like I don't feel like I have to play it. I don't feel like a, there's any. No. Old old Animal Crossing games, if you didn't log in for a while, sometimes villagers would move away. Yeah. This they will not. That's cool. They'll they'll guilt they'll lightly guilt trip you if you haven't been on for all the big Oh, Gangriff, I've missed you. You have you been out having adventures and stuff? Yeah, I didn't play for like a week and I got that. I I yeah. I, lo- I I fired and it up. If you I... if you're gone for too long, they'll end up being roaches in your house and stuff that you gotta step on. But yeah. It's it <laughs> It's not that bad. Yeah. I picked it up hardcore uh, over thank- like around Thanksgiving and early December, but I haven't really been playing it lately because, again, like my my gaming time has been mostly the PlayStation. Yeah. But my son got me this really cool, this really cool Japanese game on the uh, on the Switch, Shin Megami Tensei. Remember how like. In the '90s and and 2000s, like all the fundamentalist pastors were like, "Oh, Pokemon is like about demons and shit." Yeah, like summoning demons. Yeah, well, this is actually like grown-up Pokemon. <laughs> you like literally become like possessed by a demon, and you build a team of demons to fight. It, but it's Japanese, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's they they like take and mix mythologies up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's actual. He got me that for the Switch, which was very touching because he paid for it with his own money. That's pretty cool. And that, yeah. So this is uh, this is uh, Shin Megami Tensei. This is uh, five. I actually have. I bought three, which is a PS4 title remastered, and I've got that on the PS5 hmm. as well. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So I got to work on that. Yeah. So yeah, and then uh, since I'm using the Switch again. Um, I started, well, part of, of, uh, Animal Crossings, there's like the multiplayer aspect, Crossing. right? Crossing. Crossing. Single player. Okay. Uh, part or of single, Animal Crossing. Sing, singular. There you go. Single tense. It's like my, it's like my, my mother-in-law, may she rest in peace. She used to always call it Walmarts. <laughs> like it was always plural, and Kmarts. They, she always like plural. Yeah. Well, my mother-in-law calls it Giants instead of Giants. So, the grocery must grocery be store. it must be the old yeah. it must be an old lady thing. It's, it's a mother-in-law thing anyway um so now that the switch is in my hands again uh i started playing around well again the multiplayer aspect of animal crossing um i had to get nintendo online or whatever their their thing is yeah. which i was not yeah. i was not subscribed to before which includes their uh retro gaming emulator yes so I've been playing, it does I've been playing Metroid, Super Super Metroid on <laughs> on the Switch, which is fun nice. to just kind of sit down and play. So I'll play some Animal Crossing, and then I'll play some Metroid for a little while until I get frustrated Discord. or tired, and then yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's fun. And then the other thing I did recently was I was having some three D printer troubles uh, with under extrusion, under extrusion. Which um, anyone who doesn't have a three D printer, they're going to be like, "What the hell does that mean?" Who the hell knows? And I it's just, I like to print these infinity fidget cubes. Oh yeah, I've got one of those right here on my desk. In fact, I think I sent you the file for those. Did you Did you see the nesting one? No, I haven't seen it. Oh no, I, I did I, see that. You showed that to me. 
you open it up and it's got There's another one inside yeah it's got a little child cube inside of it that yep. you can also fidget with yeah so but you were having an under extrusion problem yeah so under extrusion is where they make pills for that it's it yeah it's where the filament that's heated and coming out of the nozzle does not come out as fast as it's, as it's supposed to and of course sure. the drive wheel will sometimes slip because it's not coming out like it's supposed to and there's lots of reasons yep. that it can happen most of them are due to this thing called heat creep where heat from the heated nozzle which is meant to melt the filament travels up the the tube that the filament comes through and then the, the filament hardens in the tube right so i spent a bunch of time and research on how the hell do you fix that and uh, i found a couple fixes and i did two different things to the the print head on my 3d printer um yours is a direct drive isn't it where the the drive wheel is right on the head and it, it pulls the filament right in. There's no like Bowden tube and stuff. There is a Bowden tube. The Ender 5, the drive motor is all the way on the side of the frame. Yeah. And then there's like, I don't know, a foot mine's, and a half of Bowden tube that the filament goes through. Mine's the same way. Is it the same way? I thought yours had yeah. the, yours was one with the filament on top and it drove directly. To, anyway. No, no, um, it's side mount and, and it goes through about, yeah, about a foot of Bowden I found, tube. I found this guy that recommended, so the way those go together is the Bowden tube goes into the hot end by like an inch, inch and a yeah. half maybe. And then there's a friction fitting that holds it all in there. And then if you don't get it seated just right against the tip, the nozzle, you have a little gap between the nozzle and the Bowden tube. And that's where the filament will sometimes leak out into and harden and cause this under extrusion problem. That's not great. It's not great. Uh, and the way to fix that is to, like, you basically do this little dance if you ever have to pull the Bowden tube out where you loosen the nozzle up and heat it up and then tighten it back up against the th Yeah, it's... Well, this guy is like... I made this little jig that you can 3D print, which is for different printers, there's different size jigs. And you lay your Bowden tube into the jig and you cut it off at a certain length. And then you feed that into the hot end, right? And then there's a little separator that you plop in there. And then you tighten the rest of your Bowden tube above, above all of it. So now in the hot end, there's a section of Bowden tube that never moves. If you ever have to take apart the hot end, like because filament got jammed or whatever, you don't have to pull it off away from the head. It just pulls out of the top. So I did that. That's one thing I did, which has been a nice little addition. So now there's basically like a sleeve of the PTFE, the Bowden tube stuff in the hot end that insulates all of that. So that's nice. And then the other thing is you can print out, and it's crazy that you can print upgrades for your 3D printer. It's like Inception. Um, but you can print out new like cooling ducts for Quack. your... Yep, for the, the print head, and I did one of those. And it basically takes the existing fans that are on there that are supposed to cool the print surface and, and print and cool the, the hot end, uh, and it just basically reconfigures it all so that it gets more efficient cooling, and I did that, and all of my problems are gone now. Not, all, not all of my problems. All my 3D printing problems are gone all now. Your 3D printing problems. <laughs> so they, they were, I mean, I, I can probably look up the, the uh, the Thingiverse links and throw them into the uh, the show notes if anybody's curious. But uh, but yeah, it's it's just so much better now. <laughs> My Ender Five is is printing like brand new again. In fact, maybe better than new. So uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. That's cool. Now Mark's fiddling with his 3D printer. Well, because I had to solder something sometime back, and I'm like, is it? Did that? No, it's okay. You're wondering if your solder joint was cold and it's going to fall apart on you. I actually replaced the print head at one point. This is the original print head, and I and I replaced the brass print head with one that's coated in stainless steel. Yeah. Because Jamie got me uh, glow in the dark filament as as a thank you gift, and it's more but coarse. It's yeah. more abrasive. Yep. Yeah, I remember it's when you told me about that. It curses a lot. Yeah. So, the 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 nozzle I've I've replaced a couple times just because they seem to get clogged up on me. I don't know if that'll still be a problem now that I've done these these upgrades. Maybe it won't. I don't know. I got these little tools that you can clean. You can shove through to yeah. clean them. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you can do that too. Um, sometimes I just seem to have enough trouble that I just I've got a couple of those of those nozzles from the the printer came with two or three of them. I think if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. 
And I replaced the Bowden tube a while back because the one end had gotten deformed because of the same heat creep problem. And um, it came with new nozzles. So I've got like five nozzles for the damn thing. So uh, yeah, whenever I'm having significant enough printing problems, I just replace the nozzle. So I've done that a few times. But I was on the verge of replacing the entire hot end. I was so frustrated because every time I thought I had it fixed, it would it would under extrude again or the filament would get jammed or, you know, I was I was so frustrated. <laughs> I was so happy. I actually went to Reddit and found there's a there's groups there for 3D printing, as you would expect. There's even one for the Ender 5. And that's where I went. and I was asking there about it. And they gave me all kinds of helpful, helpful suggestions Talk about a social network that's not full of complete idiots. Reddit, for some reason, even though it seems like Reddit has almost no moderation except self-moderation, it seems like the people there are just so much more helpful <laughs> than they are on other social networks. Reddit Reddit has its moments. Oh, I'm sure it, it does. Absolutely does. Any 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 congregation of people will have its, its uh, percentage of complete idiots, but yeah. Reddit definitely has its moments. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's certain topics you don't talk about on Reddit, otherwise you will get completely flamed. Religion is one of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, being a Catholic on Reddit is super fun, let me tell you. (laughs) So, anyway, I think that's all I had for chat. Should we move on into the news? Uh, Sure. We have 15 minutes left till 9. Here we go. Do it. the button frank thank you frank i pushed the button we need someone named frank on the show i think i said this last time and then we made some jokes about how i should edit that to say push the button nate that's fine we'll stumble into our frank one day yeah one someday our frank will come <laughs> someday da, 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 da. uh now's where i realize i didn't open the links for the news so give me just a second oh boy yeah, I mean, do you have Tragic. them open? Do you want to talk about no, the news? Of course, I don't have them open. Yeah, you're making, I'm lazy. Making fun of me. <laughs> All right, so the first news article I have. Oh yeah, you've been busy 3D printing, haven't you? Yeah, except I haven't. I didn't print this. This is, but this is cool, right? So I remember a couple years ago, I saw a video of what they were calling the first uh, 3D printed uh, structure. The first, like, not not just at the small scale of what we can print in our, our basements or whatever, right? But like a 3D, 3D printed home. And the thing looked kind of like an igloo. It was like this big circular thing because that was the only way they could make this thing work. And it was printed out of cement. And it was basically like this weird tract work, if I remember correctly, where the thing would roll in a circle and it would lay down cement as it went around in a circle and it would slowly build its way upward. And it made these like column structures, but it was a start, right? Well, you're familiar with Habitat for Humanity, right? Mm-hmm. They're, anyone who's not familiar with them, they're an organization that basically uh, does everything they can to build low-income, I shouldn't say low-income, inexpensive housing, right? And this, th- their goal is to make sure that families that can't afford a new constructed house can purchase a house from Habitat for Humanity. I'm sure there's some qualifications or whatever, uh, and it's geared toward folks who are lower income or people who you know, don't, have, don't have it as well off as others. Right. Well, obviously, uh, it behooves them to try to find the cheapest way possible to build homes and the quickest way possible. Usually quick and cheap don't go in the same sentence. Right. What What is the yeah. old triad? You can do it quick, simple or cheap, a quick, fast, quick, quick, cheap or good. Right. Usually you can't get all three of them. Right. You can get like quick and cheap, but then it's not good or you can get it good and cheap, but it's not fast or, you know, whatever. Uh, well, they're now 3D printing actual homes, right? And this is uh, what they say. It was like a 1,400-square-foot uh, house. It looks just like any other house. It's a rectangular footprint. Um, if you get up close to it, they show some pictures of what the exterior walls look like. Uh, they look almost like, well, they look like it's 3D printed. If you ever look close at a 3D printed anything, you can see there's like lines on it where the layers were laid down. Well, this is the same deal, except it's in cement. But... Uh, in, I think it was like 12 hours, 
they laid down the structure of this house. And then, of course, they, they put a normal wooden framed roof on it. And I'd imagine, like, the internal finishes and finishings and stuff weren't just left as cement. Probably threw up some drywall and paint and whatever. Uh, but the thing looks, from the curb, it looks indistinguishable, indistinguishable from any other stick-built house. And I think it's pretty amazing. Now, they said it's not the cheapest way to build a house yet, but it's a start. Like, that's where this stuff goes, right? Now we can do it. Now how do we do it cheaper, right? So it's pretty neat. I can't tell if you're that frozen is... or reading. Okay. No, that that's pretty damn cool. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. So, uh, but yeah, that came from CNN. I heard about it on the news. Apparently they've built a second one now. This article is about the first one they did, and this was in Virginia. But there's uh, there's another one they did. I heard about it on one of the new shows I listened to in the morning, just like this week. Uh, there's another one now built, and uh, I think it's pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. It is cool. Anything that can make home ownership more achievable, I think, is a good thing. Especially, I mean, this is a cement house, right? Like, the whole structure of this house is cement. That thing is going to be solid. Like, think about that. It's not just... Solid. It's not just timber and and uh, and drywall right you could drive a car into this it probably wouldn't go through it i don't know how thick the walls are i think in the video you can see it looks like the whole the walls are still hollow which they would need to be in order to run things like cabling and whatnot so they're not solid cement walls or cinder block but it's got to be stronger than drywall and 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 two by fours it's freaking cement <laughs> hmm. but uh, yeah pretty cool stuff All right, what's our next one here? The next one's from Tech Radar. Uh, moving from cool stuff to ironic. Maybe it's ironic. Maybe it's not ironic. I don't know. Yeah, Google lost the lawsuit. Yeah, and they're they're patching their way out of it. <laughs> so anyone anyone Basically. who has Google Home devices, which I do, I actually have a few. Um, there's some features in there that Sonos claims were direct like ripoffs, essentially. They probably are. From a collaboration that Sonos and Google did back in like 2013, I think it said it was. That's likely. 2017. It could have been an, it could have been an intern that stole them. Could be. Since that's the way most <laughs> Google software seems to end up pushed out. Yeah. Crappy intern projects. But there's, there's features like the ability to broadcast to a certain group of speakers, or not broadcast, but play music on a certain group of speakers. There's something that has to do with volume controls. Let's see, they, they outline here specifically there are five patents uh, that were alleged to have been infringed upon, uh, yada, yada, yada. They include the ability to adjust the volume of multiple devices at once on the same network, the synchronization of multiple devices on a network, and the initial setup of such devices. Now, they list three things. I don't know if these are three things in which five patents cover, but um, this is a thing now. They Google lost the lawsuit. They've they they had the the ITC. I don't know what ITC stands for. It's in this article, I'm sure, and I read it and forgot. But uh, the ITC has 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 stated, "Yep, you've infringed on Sonos's uh, trademark, or not trademark, uh, patents, and you got to stop doing that." So Google has removed features from devices that those of us that own these things have purchased uh, because they had to legally, and they now do not work as well as they once did. And there there are people, again, a Reddit community I'm in, full of folks who own uh, Google Home devices, are like livid because they used this feature where you could group speakers and then you could have it like play music on like say your whole first floor of the house or whatever, right? That's one of the things that's gone. Something that has to do with volume controls, I don't know how that's infringing on somebody's patent. But yeah, I don't know either. It is, and sometimes uh, that's, patents are sometimes patents are like crazy specific, though. They are right. So uh, it must have had something to do with the way they were doing it, because you can still change the volume on these things. And as far as I can tell, that hasn't changed. But something specific about them is different now than it was. Um, but I gotta be honest, right? My Google Home devices they do not seem to work as well as they used to, and it's not just because of this. It just seems like they've been on a downhill decline. 
uh, for the past year or so. We basically use them to turn the lights on and off in our bedrooms. So we don't have to get out of bed. Yeah, that's one of the things I do with them. But one of the things that we did was you could broadcast to a room, right? So when you set these things up, you tell it what room they're in. And then in Google Home, you can say like, okay, these lights, this Google Home device, these other things, this TV, for example, they're all in the same room. So if I said something like broadcast to the living room, it would be like, oh, here's the speaker in the living room. That must be where you want to broadcast to. And it would send the message there. That stopped working. Now I have to tell it what device it's on. I don't know if that's part of the patent. Like, is that part of that device grouping? I don't know. I don't know either. But uh, at any rate, it's very frustrating because, you know, you get used to how, especially with a voice assistant, right? It's like, it's like. I always have to stop and remember how to do anything beyond very basic stuff, and I get frustrated. Well, it's easily. it's like it's like if every morning I greeted you by saying "Hello, Mark," right? Every morning hello, I say Nate. I say "Hello, Mark," and you go like "Hi, Nate. How's it going?" Right? And one day I go "Hello, Mark," and you don't respond because yeah. the the term "Hello, Mark" no longer registers in your brain. I now have yeah. to say "Good morning, you Mark." Lost a lawsuit. Yeah, right. Because Mark lost a lawsuit. <laughs> Or I lost a lawsuit. I can't use the word hello anymore, right? Uh, but that's how it feels because you get used to saying a certain thing to these devices and now all of a sudden it doesn't respond to that. And it's very frustrating because you're used to speaking. Definitely a tragedy. You're used to speaking to people that can parse that stuff. And these things feel like they can and now they can't, <laughs> right? It's, yeah, you're intentionally making them dumber. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if there's a solution to that. The Google Home devices are another one of those Google things that I would love to disconnect myself from, but have not found an alternative to, much like I did with my Google phone. Uh, because, man, just the other day, right? I forget what it was I was looking at. But obviously, I have a YouTube account, right? I have different channels, and I try to consume different content, whether it's on YouTube as me or YouTube as my Jeep channel or as YouTube as the Iron System and podcast based on different themes so that the preferences that Google stores on them are kind of grouped so that if I go into YouTube as Iron Sysadmin, I might see technology related stuff in my feed on YouTube. Whereas if I go in as my Jeep one, it's, it's all Jeep channels, right? I forget what it was, but I was doing something that was not on YouTube at all. And all of a sudden I went onto YouTube as my Jeep channel and I got a recommended video for that thing. And it just, like, of course, it was like I used my, I used Google to search for something or it was, I asked my assistant to do something, whatever, right? And it, it like, oh, Nate knows about these things, right? And he he's interested in them and now he's going to show me things. So anyway, every time something like that happens, it just reminds me how interconnected all these things are and how much they track me. And it's... <sighs> Heebie-jeebies? Heebie-jeebies. That's the way it is. It's a good way to describe it. Anyway, heebie-jeebies aside, your Google Home devices are now less useful than they used to be um, because of Sonos. All right, this is the one. This is the article that we talked about or we referenced earlier. It's from The Verge. Uh, open source developer corrupts, and corrupt is a, I think it's a bad use of the word here, but open source developer corrupts widely used libraries affecting tons of projects. Now, the word corrupts, to me, renders a thing useless. Uh, that isn't quite what happened here, although effectively he did, so maybe it's the right word. It is appropriate. Well, like, to me, corrupt is, like, no longer functions at all. Like, the data is yeah. corrupt is a word you would use for a file or something that is now completely unreadable. It's not unreadable, it just doesn't work the way it used to. <laughs> Much like your Google Home devices. They're not corrupt. Well, no, that is corrupt. <laughs> There's data, the file's there, but the data's scrambled and it's corrupted. Right. He, he, he was twisted and corrupted and he became evil. That's what the guy did with the tooling. Yeah. He made the tooling like stop working properly. Right. So there's. So I think, I think corrupts is a great word in this case. Plus corrupts is a fun word. Yeah. There's, there's two, I guess you'd call these libraries. Faker.js and colors.js. Now, faker.js is apparently a library that lets you, like, impose fake data into a program for demonstration purposes. Sure. Which you can understand why that might be included in a lot of different applications that include things like a demo. Mm -hmm. uh, but colors.js is apparently for colorizing the output in a Java console or in a console, right? So you could imagine this is probably used a lot. Anything that has a console 
that may want to colorize the output, this thing might be used. Well, apparently the author of these, uh, I don't know if he was drunk one night <laughs> and thought this was a good idea or if he's really just trying to make a statement, but uh, he apparently modified both of them in different ways to basically make political statements or maybe not political, but make statements based on something he's apparently passionate about. Uh, one of them referring to Aaron Schwartz. Uh, if you remember Aaron Schwartz, he was a, well, he was one of the creators, in fact, maybe the creator of Reddit. He was a programmer, right? He was very passionate about open data and open software. And he had effectively stolen a whole bunch of data from an academic research library called JSTOR. And his intention was to make all that data public. And the, he was caught doing so, and uh, he was facing a ridiculous sentence based on laws that were created when computers were still a big scary thing that no one understood, like back when they thought you could whistle into a telephone and launch nukes. Um, anyway, the point is that the justice system was going to throw the book at this poor kid. And again, yes, he broke the law. I'm not saying he didn't break the law, uh, but he committed suicide because he was facing like a 30-year sentence or something, and he, he couldn't bear the idea that he might actually end up in prison for 30 years. Anyway, all that to say, that's who Aaron Swartz was, um, but there was a statement put in there about Aaron Swartz within the code, like there was a, was it like uh, the readme file was replaced with this statement about Aaron Swartz. Uh, there's a function that replaced or that was added that just simply said liberty, liberty, liberty. This sounds very politically motivated. My point is that these are open source projects. The, the guy, the only guy that maintains them had made these changes to them. And because they were included in all these other projects, all of a sudden those projects did not function properly because they depended on this guy's code. Um, so it comes back to the same thing we were talking about earlier with log4j, right? Where you've got this domino effect where a piece of the puzzle has changed and now all of a sudden the larger project does not work properly. This guy's apparently also made statements years ago. I think it was like 20, was it 2019 or something? They said he'd made statements about how he's done uh, working for free for large companies that can afford to pay developers, right? So again, this is one of the things with open source communities. Uh, you're putting your code out there. Somebody may be making money off of it, and that's just kind of part of the part of the ecosystem, I suppose, right? So I have a couple of thoughts. Sure, go ahead. It is I've talked it enough. is it is one thing to create an open source piece of software, put it out there, and you know people use it. And honestly, if there's something, if there's a bug, and suddenly you've got you know Fortune 500 companies screaming that it needs to be fixed. Hey, maybe I'll get around to it. Right. I don't friggin' feel like dealing with it though. Right. You fork it and fix it yourself. Yep. Yep. Versus maliciously throwing a turd into the punch bowl, which is essentially what he did. Yep. Now, did he did he have the right to do that? He absolutely did. But he violated. He broke some trust. Yeah. And working in this industry, you and I, you and I get that. That when you violate trust like that, it can make even the good guys like open source for whatever reason, people download like closed source software and buy closed source software and don't even give it a thought. And those same people will turn around and say, well, you can't trust open source because the code's out there and anybody can change it. Yeah. And and crap like this just makes it bad for people. It in does. Open source. It does. It so really does burn the community. What, was he allowed to do what he did? Absolutely. Um, did he do did he do damage? He absolutely did. Um, is his reputation tarnished? Yes, and it should be. Yeah. Does he have a point that the, that large companies take advantage of open source software and don't pay developers? He's absolutely correct, but you know, people choose to people choose to hand the software out and decisions have consequences. Yeah. And if I decide to give my software away and a company later turns that into a billion dollar product, well, that's a shame. 
and maybe I can, maybe that company will hire me or maybe they'll somehow compensate me, but you know, you can't be mad because you gave it away. That was your decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like giving money to a homeless person and then getting mad because they used it to buy something you didn't approve of. Right. You know, that's, I mean, that's, that's it's the... a very oversimplification of it, but it's the same concept, right? I wrote code. Right. I gave that code away. Someone used that code in a way that I did or didn't agree with or did not attribute me or whatever. Um, as long as they didn't violate the license yeah. that you released it under, you, you, there's, you can't say any, oh crap, you're using my software. But you, like, it, it's like, like if, if, if I'm like, if I'm someone who's like super liberal and I write a code library and I realize that like Donald Trump's organization is using it, I can't get all pissy and say, right. oh, you're not allowed to use it because I disagree with you politically. Right. That's not how open source licensing works. Right. And, and I just totally, I, again, I totally made that up, but I know we've had internal discussions at Red Hat where there are people who are pissed that Red Hat has contracts with like, you know, government, government and military. They don't, they don't think that we should, that our software should be used to, to for military purposes. And that's that's just the, that's the reality of the world. Yeah, I mean it really is, right? I mean you, you you can't you can't control what your customers do with your software and to deny a customer like you could say that's all motivated by money, but it absolutely is. But well, it's part I, of it. It's part of it. But denying a customer because you disagree with them is a slippery slope is what I'm getting it at. It absolutely is. Like it's it's almost similar to denying somebody because you don't like what country they come from or what nationality they are, right? Like, granted, yeah. that's a thing they can't change in most cases, or in many, in maybe all cases. Uh, but anyway, it's it's a it's a similar thing, right? Like, I don't like what you're going to do with my software. You can't have my software um, unless right. you're going to break the law with the software. I but <laughs> and, and if and and if you want to make sure that that software you wrote is absolutely not used by people you don't like, then you're going to have to release it under a different license. Yeah. The, the, I don't want the, the very selective, I don't want you to do so specific you're things not, with my software yeah, license. You're, <laughs> you're not allowed to use this. If anyone in your organization has ever voted for a Republican, good right. luck enforcing that. Yeah. Right. 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 I don't like, I don't like men with beards. If you have beards, you can't use my software. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you get into ridiculous. So, so, was the guy it was the guy technically within his right to do what he did? Yeah. Was it an asshole move? Yeah. He apparently got his GitHub account suspended for it. Which probably was overkill. It did that seem probably, that 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 did seem a little too far for me. And it, and it apparently got rolled back yeah, pretty quickly. It could very well be that they thought his account was compromised. This article doesn't go into that, but that's just me yeah, kind of putting out some conjecture. Um, I could like the sort of edits that were done here feel very much like a compromise, but it sounds like it wasn't right. So yeah, they were intentional. So anyway, we have one last article and we don't have to go too deep on this one. Although, you know, us, we probably will, we'll have opinions or something. This comes from tech radar and, um, you remember Norton antivirus? Yeah. Remember Norton in general, right? Like Norton Utilities, that was like the thing you did to check your hard disk for errors and defrag and whatever. Uh, I remember there was a time when every computer I bought, the first thing I put on it was Norton Utilities and Norton Antivirus because they were like the standard, right? Uh, that was a long time ago. That was like late 90s. They have fallen. <laughs> Anyone who knows the name Norton will probably... Uh, equate that to overbloated software that may or may not actually get the job done that you paid for it to do, uh, which would be mainly antivirus and firewalling. Uh, most people hate this kind of software and Norton's name is not what it used to be uh, because pattern-based antivirus is just what it is. And that's basically what Norton does as far as I know. Well, now it includes a crypto miner. Now it's off by default. So it's not like you install Norton Antivirus and now your my, your computer is unknowingly part of some crypto mining botnet. 
uh, but it's there and you can opt into it and it's installed by default and you can't remove it without removing the antivirus software. Now, yeah, it's off by default. And I know that's probably going to be your argument, Mark. It is opt-in, uh, but it still seems weird that they install it by default. Like if I'm going to opt out of it, it probably shouldn't even install the bits, right? I mean, you know my feeling on crypto. Yes, I do. I do. And I think it's a scumbag move. And I think there's, I think they're basically, they're taking a ridiculous cut. They're taking fifteen percent of any crypto that's mined. That's insane. Yeah. So you're a friggin' fool if you. If oh yeah. You run this. Absolutely. I if mean, you're the, gonna burn your electricity to mine, the, just use some other method, and and you immediately will have a higher return on the electricity you're spending. Yeah. The the um. The article even insinuates like this is ecologically a bad move. It's terrible. Because now all of the computers that are running Norton Antivirus, which opt into this thing, are going to be consuming more power as they're trying to do crypto mining. Because that's that's exactly the, the drain of crypto mining, right? Is that Oh, crypto's terrible. Your machine now uses more power, right? And that, of course, will put a tax on the power grid. And if there's enough people running on antivirus, like that could be a real impact. <laughs> yeah. Screw those guys. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you want to mine crypto without any of the benefits of mining crypto, <laughs> put on Norton antivirus and opt into Norton crypto mining or whatever the hell they call it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Just crazy. We didn't include this in our things that happened in 2021, but apparently it was introduced in 2021, June of 2021, <laughs> in Norton 360. It's insane. It's just insane. It just seems like such a bad business choice. I don't, I got to be honest, on my Windows machine, I don't run any third-party antivirus anyway. I run Windows Defender. Never had a problem. So do I. Uh, when I got my, well, when and I Linux, got the- I don't use anything because Linux, you don't need antivirus. When I got the the machine that I was talking about earlier that the display died in, uh, that was the first Windows machine that I had owned in quite a while. And I went to some security researchers that I knew, and I said, look, what are, you, what are people doing on Windows now for antivirus? And they all said Defender. Just use Defender. Like, it's good enough for home use as long as you're not an idiot. You know, it's not going to protect you against that porn site you went to and the thing that you opted into because you wanted to see the boobies. And neither is Norton. <laughs> neither is Norton, right. But, uh, yeah, they said Defender is good enough for, for that sort of antivirus. You don't need to go out and... If you're an enterprise, it's different if you're trying to protect against crypto lockers and all kinds of stuff. But uh, for just basic malware detection, Windows Defender is as good as anything. At that level, right? Without without $1,000 price tag. All right. Yeah, I think I think it's a scumbag move by Norton. It really is. It really I is. I think like, Peter Norton's probably spinning in his grave. Yeah. They should hook him up to the generator to mine crypto. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh That's not my joke. That's from one of our fellow Tams. Such a such a trusted name that's now just completely in the shitter. Like for, for software that's only marginally useful in today's age anyway, because that, Again, like there's other options already out there. There's lots of other options in that space, and there's some included for free with Windows. Um, to to now include a crypto miner is just like a complete slap in the face to their customers. <laughs> yeah. Like we we know that uh, we just charged you for this software, but can you make us some more money here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's and, and and the idiots are the ones who just do it. Yeah, I mean, this this statement gets old, but I, I, I sometimes have trouble blaming the user for being an idiot because... I don't have trouble. The u user, nah. Like, some of them don't know. They don't know any... They, they don't know what a crypto miner is, let alone whether they should opt into it or not. It depends on how it's presented to them. If it's presented to them as like, this could make you some money, they might turn it on, not knowing. You know, because they don't know. It, it doesn't really make them idiots. It just makes them uninformed. I guess that might make you an idiot. I don't know. But anyway, all right, so I think that's all the news for tonight, unless we wanted to hammer on Norton a little more. I don't think we do. Nah, I'm done. <laughs> so, folks, uh, if you stuck with us this long, we want to say thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, we know the show gets to be pretty You're long. You're awesome. 
All of you are awesome. Indeed. Very awesome. If you do want to watch us live, you can do so on Twitch or or YouTube or even the the social media platform that Mark no longer likes. The Face. The Facebook. Uh, on the second and fourth Thursday of every month, go find us, uh, you know, twitch.tv slash Podcast or youtube.com slash Podcast. Look up Iron System in on Facebook or uh, you can find us on Twitter, but we don't stream to there. Maybe we should look into that. Let's stream everywhere. I looked into how to stream to Reddit. Did you know you, everywhere. Can, did you, know you can live stream to Reddit? I didn't know that. You can actually do broadcast to Reddit, but it's, uh, it's not. I've seen that, but that looks kind of dumb. It's not like integrated in Streamlabs like YouTube and Twitch and Facebook are. So yeah. I got that far and said, I'm done. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Uh, anyway. Uh, if you want to join our community, you can do so on Discord. I, I missed the button. Discord. I went to push it, and I went in between no. the two buttons, and I went no. Discord. Discord. So anyway, Discord. Uh, you can do so on ironsystemin.com. There's a link up there for our community. You can join it through there. Um, and I think that's just about everything, unless you want to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash ironsystemin. And with that, I think we're done. Any last words there, Mark? I have words. I'll never know when the last ones will be. Okay, how about just for this particular broadcast on this particular evening? (laughs) Ah, as always, a lot of fun. Hey, we pulled it off. We pulled it off indeed. It wasn't the, and I don't think it's the worst show we've ever done. I'm actually not sure what the worst show we've ever done is. Um, I don't know. We'll have to think about that. We'll have to ask the listeners, folks. What's the word? Maybe that one guy who hated me. What's the show that you liked the least of Iron Sisabin? In fact, most of them have probably turned off right now because I already did the outro part, except for the music. Um, So no one's hearing this. This is like a Marvel movie. Like this is the post. This is the post credit part, right? So, so you know, there there would normally and there would be the outro, right? Yeah, and then after the after the outro, then we. Then we then we we bring out um, Samuel L. Jackson to talk to Tony Stark about yeah. joining the yeah. Now let me tell you something. If you do go see Spider Hyphen Man in the movie theater, stay until the camera shuts off. Stay until the camera shuts off. Some of the novices got up after the first post credit scene and missed the better <laughs> there one. There were two. <laughs> you stay. You stay until the camera turns off. Ah, uh, man. I remember when, well, maybe not when they first started doing post-credit scenes. Ferris Bueller's Day Off was the first post-credit scene I remember. Okay. I don't know if that's the first one I remember, but uh, yeah, I remember started. I started staying around in theaters till the credits were over, and that's why they do it. They want to get all the credits out, I guess, but uh, yeah. Well, they're a little, they're a little reward. Yeah, usually whatever. when I go to a movie now, I always wait until the credits are over before I... I get up and leave. Especially if it's Marvel. You gotta. It also avoids the crowd. If you just sit in your seat for a little bit longer, you're not stuck in that line of people. No, you're not. Unless they all waited around too, which they might. Anyway. But yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So yeah, I think we're going to call it a night. So thank you folks for hanging around. We will see you on our next show. As soon as I find the screen. That says the show is over. Here it is. All right. Good night, everybody. Peace. All right. We let the credits play. We out? Maybe. Should I should I bring us back after the credits? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a dick move but would be totally appropriate <laughs> hold on let me find the thing here but what do we say when we come back I don't know we have to find something crap or something creative to say <laughs> alright ready you stung it. You stuck around till after the credits. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> you, you knew we were going to do it. We had to after that conversation, right? And you know, I gotta say, like the stuff they pulled with Ahsoka 
at the seventh season of the Clone Wars. Like, yes. some of that was like amazing. That was pretty awesome. Like her fight with uh, her fight with uh, Darth Maul. Er, with Darth Maul, holy crap! Yeah, pretty crazy stuff. That was great. Have you seen Rebels yet? No, I have not seen Rebels yet. Yeah, Rebels. Re- oh God, Rebels is worth it for the for the episode. Where where oh yeah. I can't uh, spoilers. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. You, I think <laughs> I think we can actually be sh- done. Shut the camera off. <laughs> uh, but until the camera's off, don't leave. Yep. Push the button, Frank. <laughs>